This week on the Recruitment Flex, is a phone screen an actual interview? The Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, shockwaves through the world of work. Do companies purposely not hire the best candidate? And are you lying on your job ads? Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreaux. And as always, joined by my favorite co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? Serge, it's going really well. Thank you. And not to preempt here, but I'm your favorite co-host, but the best is probably... Our third co-host. She's she's pretty she's pretty high on the list. Very pleased that we can welcome back as another co-host to the show, the lovely, the talented Allie Knoll. Thank you so much for having me. And I don't think I deserve that level of graciousness. (laughs) But coming back, so we just love you. So great to have conversations (laughs) with you folks because we have difference of opinions and we always seem to go back and forth a few things. And I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thank you for coming again. I think this is like your 10th appearance now. Do I get a button? Yeah, I get a button. I'd love a button. Jackets. Jacket? <laughs> roll, roll in like the, face the pink on ladies <laughs> yeah exactly with my face on the back i love it i think it's a brilliant idea ali what's new with you it's been like a couple of months since you've been on the show yeah. and i'm just seeing girl. all these oh, yeah. linkedin posts with these announcements for resume free like what's up really big news so we were in a pilot program with microsoft that launched us onto their microsoft app source which if you don't know what it means it's basically like kijiji for software but it's specifically run through microsoft and you've got to go through a whole bunch of loops to get there so resume free officially as of monday june 26 i think it was we were able to launch into 55 different countries so people around the world can globally now access our screening as a service tool. Watch out, Pitbull. We have a Miss Worldwide, <laughs> Ali Canol. Good pick there, Serge. Don't think I can get to his level. <laughs> Miss Worldwide. Well, There's your new nickname. Mrs. Worldwide. For the audience that doesn't know, myself and Shelly are based in Calgary, Alberta, and Ali is based in Edmonton, Alberta, which Around two and a half hours, right north, similar size, a city. But, and this is legit, right? This is from The Economist, which came out with their top 10 ranking of the most livable cities in the world. And Calgary was tied for number three. I didn't see Edmonton on the list at all. But let me go through it quickly. So Vienna, Austria is number one, Copenhagen, Denmark, number two. We are tied with Zurich, Switzerland. And right after us is Vancouver. And we also have Toronto that made the list at number eight. But I'll tell you, Calgary is an amazing city. So too bad, Ali. Maybe you should move to Calgary. I think it's because you folks are closer to the mountain range and you have Banff and and Lake Louise there that you can just pop over. For us, it's a longer trip, right? What was the criteria search on what made it livable? I think it had to do with crime rates and cost of purchasing homes. (laughs) Well, let me break it down for you. 
Stability was one of the main factors mm-hmm. that includes crime, threat of terror, military conflict. The second one was health care. Then culture and environment. Definitely that's where Calgary had a huge edge over Edmonton. <laughs> Education. That's fired. <laughs> Poor Allie. And okay. infrastructure. Not beating up on Edmonton. But just saying. Yes, yes. Let's jump in right yeah. after recruiting. Okay. I get to take the first one, right? You do. So I Uh want to start off like why I wanted to talk about this. I may have shared with you, of course, Brooks finished high school and she's sending out her resume and got her first interview. Okay. It was done in person. They called it a meet and greet and they didn't make a hiring decision on the spot, but I really have to take my hat off to the talent acquisition team at Aritzia. And here's why. Whether or not Brooke got the job, she walked away from that first interview experience feeling good, that she had an opportunity to be heard, that she didn't feel like she was being grilled with questions that someone with no work experience could possibly be expected to answer. Big check mark. The other one, and this kind of leads into our topics, is Brooke's applied to a bunch of places. And so it's five o'clock at night and her phone rings. Let's put this in context. Brooke's 18. Her whole life has been on the phone. She answered the phone. She's 18 and answered (laughs) the phone. Wow. Impressive. And so this was a phone screen. Okay. And we're gulping down dinner because she has keyboard lessons and we had to be there in the next 15 minutes. So she answers her phone, realizing that they want to do a phone interview. So my question for everybody, is a phone screen really a first interview? She wasn't able to take the interview because we literally had to wolf down our dinner and leave. So she said, you know, I'm very sorry. I'm very excited to hear from you and would love a chance to at least make it through this step in the process. Not in those words. Those are Shelly's words, not Brooklyn's. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to pose that to you guys. Is the phone screen really a first interview? And if it is, who should make that first call? Is it recruitment or is it a hiring manager? Ooh, okay. So my entire career (laughs) has been about the first stage. So the first interaction, I don't know if it's a a pre-screen per se, that we called them pre-screens when I was doing some for a very large bank in Canada. I was guilty of the surprise. Here's an interview when I was doing those types of pre-screens. And then Mm -hmm. I smartened up and decided to book with people online first before the Calendly's and things came through. I feel that it it depends on how large the organization is. If you have someone that's dedicated to do that and you're pumping through high volumes of entry-level roles or whatever it is, then absolutely it should go through one consistent person, but have some decency and don't be calling people out of the blue. Nobody answers their phone anymore. If they don't know the number, it goes straight to voicemail. You're just wasting your time. I disagree. I am guilty of this and I do this all the time. Think about the act of just scheduling an interview to me is a time burden. It's just a pain in the ass. I do like picking up the phone and just calling them and being like, hey, it's going to take around 15, 20 minutes. Do you have the time? If you don't, that's cool. We'll book another time. We'll book it right now. And if they do, why not have the conversation? Because I can get through a lot of people that way. And my experience has been a little bit different. And this is fairly recent, Shelly. 
I would say 90% of the people answer the phone and it might be the type of roles that I'm recruiting, but they are answering the phone. To answer your question, I do think a phone screen is an interview. And if I'm looking at the candidate perspective, I got to be ready in a very similar way because I got to answer questions. I still am selling myself because I want to go to the next step. You're not going to go obviously as in-depth as you would towards a normal interview that you're seeing an hour with a hiring manager and absolutely should be the recruiter that does it. I do not want any hiring managers making any first impression and there's rare exceptions mm-hmm. to candidates. This is not their role. And do hiring managers really want to do a screening call? Generally not. Yeah, not really. Do you know what was interesting is the first company, which was Aritzia, they had an online tool that you would click into and you could just select a time and a location because Brooke went to book her first uh, meet and greet with them and then they refreshed their calendar. So super convenient, very much in tune with that audience, who their candidate pool would be, which is young and typically less than a couple of years of experience. Whereas the phone screen was that gotcha. Are you ready? I'm going to fire these questions at you. And Ali, I have to admit that I think early in my career, I was trained to do it that way under the assumption that if you applied for the job, you should be expecting my call, which is absurd. It's absurd. Certainly in today's market where we have trained candidates to apply for 30 or 40 jobs. And are you going to remember, oh yeah, I applied for this three weeks ago. You know, that, that element of surprise, I don't know. And Serge, I don't agree with you. I think it takes two minutes to send somebody a quick note and say, thank you. I'll be reaching out to you in the next couple of days. If you've got candidates on a long list, people you want to talk to and reach out to, sending those select few people a quick note to say, I'm going to be calling you in the next couple of days. Hope that works for you, period. And then <laughs> give it the home repair timeline. I'll be calling you from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday. Our delivery you know? window is between yeah. 9, a- 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. So be expecting it. Just stay at home. Don't move. So on that note, some recruiters are saying, should we give the interview questions ahead of time? to individuals. And I don't think that would be something from a pre-screen perspective, because in my mind, when you do a pre-screen or a getting to know you, a meet and greet, I love the term meet and greet. I think that's fantastic. When you're doing that pre-screen, it's, can they do the job? Do they have the capacity to do it? And then when you get into the deeper conversation is, will they be able to do the job? You're just trying to figure out, are you good? Are we good? Is this going to be a good match? Let's move forward from there. And I agree with you, Serge, that recruiters should own that space because I, uh, hiring managers, when they're let loose in the wild. <laughs> it can be scary. It's very scary. Yeah. But even then, should we be giving our candidates the heads up, the delivery window timeframe, our Calendly link, the interview questions? Are we going to soften their expectations about how this is going to be from future states all the time when they're going through application process? If you see this as competitive and you're trying to win and you get a resume that you feel and realize most of the time you've already answered the basic questions, availability, how many hours can you work? They posted the pay rate. All of those housekeeping matters are off the table. So you're looking at the resume and you know full well whether or not they have the experience you're looking for. I believe that this first interview and why also I agree that recruiters should be the first point of contact, because 
we know how to sell the opportunity. If you're contacting somebody under the assumption that they've got five other offers and five other places they're interviewing at, this is your opportunity as a recruiter to give the first impression of your organization and ask those questions. Can you do the job? And will you do the job? right? You know what to ask because that is our role. But more importantly, I believe the employment relationship begins with the first call. 100%. That first interaction sets the tone for how we treat our customers, especially for early career. They don't know the way you've treated them from the beginning of the process, whether you realize it or not, sets the tone. That's what I believe. I 100% agree, Shelly, but you just built the case why recruiters should just pick up the phone and call them right away because it's speed. If you know the life Ah. of a day-to-day recruiter, I can get sidetracked on so many different things. So yes, I can send you an email. I'm going to call you tomorrow. But what happens if I am jam-packed the day after? Why not give them the option being like, hey, you answer the phone. I'm calling from this company. Can you talk right now? Can you Mm -hmm. talk if you can? Yeah. I am cool with that. I will not hold that against you. But if you can, let's talk. And that just moves up the process a lot quicker because I hate having to-dos on my list. I said, all these people that I'm going to be calling them tomorrow. Now I physically have a list of people I have to call where I'm already doing it. So I do want to move to a recruitment insight that is very topical right now, but Mm -hmm. also very controversial And it's one that's a challenge for us to talk about here in Canada, because obviously our laws are a little bit different, but the story and the challenges that are going to come with this are going to affect many women across the world, not only in the U.S. As you're probably aware, last week, the Supreme Court is overturning Roe versus Wade. Basically, what they're doing is they're leaving it to the states to decide how to regulate or outlaw abortion. 22 states have triggered laws in place that will outlaw abortion immediately. There's many challenges here, and I'm sure you all have very strong opinions, but I'm just going to lay out a couple that we're going to see in recruitment and retention, then we'd love to get your take. One of them is pay equity. Right now, there's still a discrepancy between men and women. And when you look at women that become mothers, the overall gender gap increases to almost 30%. So what many women, and my wife was one of them, she chose to wait until she was further along in her career to have children due to what they call the motherhood penalty. So now we're going to see a lot more unwanted pregnancies, and that's going to cause an even bigger challenge when it comes to the pay gap. The other main concern is performance. Think about it. If you're trying to focus on your work, and this is a really overwhelming challenge making this type of decision, either based on health or in reality, because they want to. And that's all you really need, in my opinion. This, to me, treats women as second-class citizens that you can't choose. Think about that in the work world where it's not equitable between men and women. I did say a lot. Obviously, I am not a woman, so I do want to leave it to get your opinion. And Ali, I've seen a couple of posts on LinkedIn. And I think you're pretty fired up about this. So you go first. What's your thoughts here? So Friday was a really spicy day for me after seeing all of that. First of all, I have to say is a white woman who is heteronormative appearing, who has two children of my own, like this devastates me. And I think it's 
more so the factor that people aren't going to have unwanted pregnancies. They're just going to have illegal abortions. That's what's going to happen. You're not going to stop people from doing what they need to do. But now with the states and there being like a mix between who can do what, I'm just trying to think of all of the national companies out there. And are we going to see people leaving from one state, like a red to a blue state? Looking at it from that perspective, is there going to be not necessarily a brain drain, but like a womb turn? (laughs) Are they going to exit and go to another area because it's safer for them or they feel that their rights are more protected? But even then, just looking on LinkedIn and there's so many people that this should not be a workplace thing. It absolutely is a workplace thing. Pregnancy happens in the workplace all the time. We have to admit it. And putting on my HR hat, we have legislation in place to protect pregnant people. And well, in Canada, I should say in the States, there's a few regulations, but it's state dependent again. And so is the leave time, the 12 whole weeks that they get after they have an adoption or a pregnancy. So there's so many nuances to all of this that are just going to implode and explode. And people are going to be finding out where it's just more beneficial for them to be. And all I got to say is Canada and Calgary and Edmonton are great places to live. We've got healthcare. Hey, that's amazing too. If you need to come camping up in Canada to help with any camping accoutrement that might show up. But I think there's going to be a big difference between companies that support and companies that don't. And even some of the organizations that I'm now questioning my membership in making statements that don't line, you have to make a stance on this, whether you're for or against, and you have to take that line. I do want to call out that statement. I think this is what you're talking about is from SHRM, which is the primary HR organization in the US. Johnny Taylor, the CEO, he sent a letter to all his members. Uh, Many of you have asked that SHRM take a position on a Supreme Court decision. Given the diversity of our membership, I do not believe it's in anyone's best interest for SHRM to take a side. So this is the governing body of HR. I'm going to ask you a question, Ali, and then we'll go to Shelly. If CPHR did that in Canada, how would you feel? If they didn't choose a side, I would say I would be revoking my membership and I most likely will be revoking my membership from SHRM. So here's how it stands. The human resources professional in its very first statement is we protect the legislation. So the legislation that comes through, we have to protect it. doesn't matter how we feel about it. doesn't matter that we are for or against the legislation. We are abiding by the rules the government has put in place. Those rules will affect me no matter what, but that's my protection of the people in that organization. So if you're not going to take a stance on this, at least put it back to there's policies that we have to follow. You know, don't say it's because we have diversity of membership. That just is a complete cop out. You can be nonpartisan and make a stance. Yeah. Period. Awesome point, Allie. That is an awesome point. And thank you for clarifying that because that is concerning for sure. My only take on this is we should also outlaw Viagra because there's two (laughs) sides to this equation because you're right in Canada, we have laws that protect women and families right up to and including laws that ensure that mothers that choose to keep the child, there are laws for child support. It is different here. We look to the U S because 
it is sad. It's heartbreaking to see what's happening there and why it's happening there. I am happy that we live here. I am happy that we have the government that we have in the healthcare system that we have. One of the things that Ellie mentioned that I think is going to be really interesting is the migration of people. We're seeing some companies like Netflix, Walt Disney, Comcast, PayPal, Nike have all said that, hey, we're going to pay for you to go out of state for your abortion which is great, but it still doesn't seem fair. And what I mean by that is now in a very sensitive and very challenging time, say I'm a woman, I'm going to my employer and I'm telling them that I'm getting an abortion. Isn't that a really private type of conversation in my mind? It's not something I'd want to share with my employer. I can't see the conversation going that way, Serge. When you utilize any benefits, you're protected under privacy law. The company has absolutely no ability to know which of the benefits you are using. So to request time off for a medical procedure, it could be to remove a wart on your foot or to go to another state. The employer has no business asking or knowing what exactly you're getting done. Still privacy law search. Nobody's having a fucking, I'm getting an abortion conversation with their boss. Yeah. Could I please have one abortion leave? (laughs) It's not going to get to that. It'll just be a medical leave. And it's probably a benefit that they'll slip in somewhere that your benefits coordinator, or if it's a smaller business, then maybe, oh, look, there's an extra charge this week on somebody out of town. That's totally fine. But as women or I should say anybody that can get pregnant, if somebody starts to have a pregnancy in certain instances, they have to let the employer know immediately for safety concerns. I'm thinking of first responders, like firefighters, police officers, those types of individuals, they have to let them know because they put themselves at risk all the time. So there's yes, and then no, and then yes, and then no, but yeah. I do want to jump into the next topic. Allie, you're the TikTok queen, so I want to talk about TikTok here. (laughs) Not the TikTok TikTok. queen. I mean, I've got like 10,000 likes, no big deal. And actually when I did my presentation for, Hey, we launched on Microsoft. I did it from TikTok and then TikTok went to Instagram, Instagram went to Twitter, Twitter went over to LinkedIn and I everything all at once. So TikTok is an amazing tool that I think a lot of businesses don't use well or enough. I should say, especially because it's taking over the future generations, but there was a TikToker. I'm just getting her name at rule with Runa that said that (laughs) the best people are too risky to hire. So they don't want to get the best of the best because they want to get paid more. They want to have more responsibility. They end up being not enthusiastic about the job after six months. So they hire people, not the A team, but like the B team to stay in their job. And I'm confused because I thought we were supposed to hire the best people for the job. I don't know if I agree with what she's saying. Because well, I'd rather let, hire let top, me, top, but what do you think? Let me give you the exact quote. So as a hiring manager, they don't get paid more because you perform outstandingly. This is Runa, you said? They were saying Runa, this. yeah. But they do get the penalized if their candidates keep on quitting early or disobey the authority. She has a point in large corporations because going up the ladder, part of it is you 
can't fuck up too many times. You're going to be very careful of what you're doing. Sure. Yes. And what kind of candidates do quit early in disability authority? Generally, it's the most qualified in terms of experience and intelligence. She is not wrong in saying that. A lot of companies do end up hiring the B players, even though everyone wants to hire A players. And what the fuck is an A player anyways? I think it makes sense. Shelly, what's your take? I loved the point that she made to say, okay, let's be clear Big companies tend to hire those that are going to stay longer because you're right. Some companies have part of their leadership performance on retention. So you're going to hire maybe not the top performer, but that person most likely to stay within the guardrails of the company. But I loved what she said is, you know, for startup companies, they're hiring for people to solve problems because they're quite fine for a top performer to stay three months and solve a big problem yeah, rather than you stay for three years and do nothing. (laughs) So you're right. This is big corporate culture versus small startup or smaller companies. But I agree with her. And that's probably why her TikTok went viral was she hit a nerve and she spoke the truth. Because this is the truth. The point she made is the type of interview questions that startups ask exactly to your point, solve this problem for us compared to a large company is going to say, why did you leave your last company? What is your biggest strength? What is exactly measuring (laughs) of leaving again? It's all they're doing. They're measuring risk. And if you think about it, a lot of organizations doing the interviews and doing the recruitment, HR people are trained to reduce risk and increase compliance within organizations. So it makes sense that's the approach, but it's being counterintuitive of what they're trying to achieve when they say we only hire A players or we try to hire the best. Let's be realistic. You probably are not. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I don't agree with her is because I'd much rather hire somebody that would be amazing in the job. And maybe this is coming from the startup mentality that I'm in right now. I want that person that goes in and solves the problem, crushes it, but then we build into something else and they can crush the next problem and move forward from there. I also would want that from the larger organization, because if I can get somebody like that, that that does have that initiative, that wants to move up, and I have the capacity to move them up in the organization, absolutely. I would rather be known for that hiring manager that always has internal promotions rather than the revolving door at the front trying to bring in new people because then I'm the asshole manager. I don't want to be the asshole manager. I want to be like the awesome manager. There's a big difference. I think that there is a different style and obviously a different ideal candidate that you're looking for in these different types of organizations. Absolutely. Do you need the strategic thinker or do you need the tactical person? Do you need somebody that can do both, which truly is the unicorn because those people usually are entrepreneurs themselves. So you're not going to find that type of caliber anywhere in the corporate world, but maybe I should do a TikTok responding to her and see whether or not I get the views because my TikTok that went viral was Kind of funny. And you can go and take a look at it at Ali Canal. Well, I have. <laughs> so what you can do, you can actually stitch a response to her TikTok and let's see if it goes viral. I like mm-hmm. it. Talking about hiring and job seekers, there is a disturbing or really frustrating phenomenon mm-hmm. happening with job seekers that they're looking at jobs that are advertised as fully remote. And as they go through the process, 
they realize it's not. There's a couple of reasons why this is happening is there is technology challenges. And I've seen that firsthand with the different job boards where maybe you're putting a job that's remote, but it's actually remote in a particular city based on how you advertise on Indeed or whatever job board, it causes a challenge. But I think the biggest challenge and what's actually happening most of the time is they know they get more applicants if they mm. put remote or work from home and they hope that during the actual interviewing or recruitment process, they can change the story and they've sold them on the concept of working for them that, yeah, oh, I really want to work for this company. Yeah, I'll go into the office because of this amazing company. They're really setting themselves up for failure and wasting everyone's time. And this is happening a lot. There's multiple examples. Shelly, what's your take here? I have firsthand experience. I had spoken to an incredibly talented software developer. And the reason he was willing to make a move was he was hired, started the job, and then 30 days in, they said, no, we didn't say it was remote. We need you to come in. And it was Houston. He was in the same city and the commute for him was going to be like an hour and 20 minutes a day. No. Now he responded, was interviewed, asked the questions, was assured. And then they decided that wasn't the case. We need everybody in the office at least three days out of the week. That is so dangerous. If we look at the flip side where a candidate who is overqualified applies for the job, thinking that the employer is going to offer them the job they really deserve and the pay that they believe that they should have, we know that never happens. This is the reverse where you are deceiving people or thinking that people will change because once we get them into the company, they will decide, oh, I'll make the sacrifice. I'll make the hour drive a day because this is such a great place to work. Well, that is just bananas to it's me. bullshit. Yeah, that's bananas. Who's going to do that? That's a bait and switch. Okay, so if we took it from the other way, if somebody lied on their application and said, I could be 100% remote or I could be 100% in office, and then they're not able to do that, we have grounds to terminate them. So what's the purpose? What do they think that they're going to get out of it besides applicants that are going to get frustrated? They're going to ruin their employee brand. People are going to start talking. Nobody wants to work at a place that says it's remote and then you need to drive an hour and a half every day with the price of gas. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> well, the main reason is there's really no repercussions. Like aside uh, from true. what you just mentioned, as far as your employer brand, but a lot of companies and hiring managers are not even thinking about that. They still think there's an unlimited supply of people that Endless will supply apply, of talent. Yeah. That will apply for their job. <laughs> and the other example of that, where there's no repercussion and they can do it is rescinding offers, which we're seeing quite a bit in the tech industry. And this is very similar. A lot of bait and switch, not having their shit together or a disconnect from the hiring managers where... The recruiters are going to the market with what they think they heard and the hiring managers, maybe that's what they <laughs> communicated, but then changed their mind because we that know- never happens. Exactly. Like, never happens. There's no one that changes their mind more than hiring managers. So can I just add one last thing? And I think, yes. Serge, maybe you're probably best to respond to this because some job boards- they will highlight specific words in a job ad. And I know a client who advertised the job as hybrid, but rather than use the word hybrid, said partially remote. 
But what the search term picked up was the word remote. So if a candidate were to type in remote jobs, Calgary, or remote jobs, Canada, their job showed up. And the candidates that were responding were really ticked off because they're like, no, we said partially remote. We have lots of flexibility, but there will be a need to be client facing or for whatever the reason is, but they actually wrote on the job ad. It's a partially remote. Curious. The only thing you can really do is Mr. or Mrs. Candidate, read the fucking job ad. Like there's only so much a company can do. So I'm like, okay, fair enough. But they didn't read the job ad if it's clearly stated it's partially remote. In That's three spots. Fault. Three That's spots in the job ad. That's the job seeker's fault. The company well, did what but, they had But to let do. me tell you how many of those candidates said, oh, no, I was hoping it was fully remote. I would say 50% did search. Wow. Yeah. It shows you how many people actually read your shitty job description. Uh, and maybe. some candidates were totally choked. Just read the job ad. That's not read their the fault. fucking job and, ad. And do a better job ad. So <laughs> on that note, Shelly is leaving for Wreckfest next week on Monday. So Ooh, I need yep. to figure out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to record. I might have a guest host, maybe. For you, Allie, anything mm-hmm. else coming up? Anything you want to promote or uh, share with the audience? I would just like to say, if you want to have screening as a service, which takes away that first phone call, resume free is now available on the Microsoft App Store. You can search it under the human resources functions. Also, if you want to follow some amazing people that have thoughts and opinions stronger than mine, uh, Madison Butler, Corporate Unicorn, she is a recruiter based in the States, as well as Kat Kibben is an amazing human that writes job descriptions for companies and things for how to do so. They're amazing. Ladies, thank you so much for giving your advice and your thoughts on some very controversial topics. Your insights are always welcome. Allie, if people want to get hold of you, Allie Canole on LinkedIn, resumefree.com. If you're not on Microsoft, it's the way <laughs> Or on Twitter, Allie in Edmonton, because Edmonton. What's your TikTok handle? Allie Canole. Allie Canole. Yeah. K-N-U-L-L. Correct. Perfect. Shelly. Yes. I already have FOMO that you're leaving. <laughs> Aww. Me, but it's I okay. still love you. Represent the recruitment flex. Yes, please. I will FaceTime you from the disrupt stage at Wreckfest. Can't wait to hear all the juicy pieces that you come back with. Oh, let me tell you. I'll well, come back with suitcases. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on, Allie. Have a great week. Thanks, Allie. See you, sir. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.